1: Yeah, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number six in this incredible series that answers the question, is the law bad? And I think by now, uh, I know what your answer to that is. And I hope this is helping to unravel some of the questions that you might have had along these lines, and also to help you, if you're ministering to your children, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader, you're ministering to a congregation, to help people be able to not get paralyzed or polarized into this, into this struggle that the, between law and grace and and thinking that there's some kind of big gap there because there's, there's really not much of a gap. It's just how you try to use the laws or how you try to use grace. So listen, we're going to start with a really unusual scripture because we're talking about the law of the spirit. Now, the Bible tells us, I think everybody knows this. Everybody knows that there's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. But to be honest, in my 50 plus years, I've never really heard anybody explain that in a way that was consistent with other scriptural teaching. but we but we do know that there's a difference. just like there's a struggle between how do I know when I'm in the spirit and when I'm in the flesh and and you know you hear all kinds of things about being in the spirit. What does this mean? But we want to stay focused on this on this one thing, and that is, that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. And the, and the fact that we have died with Christ means that we are set free from uh, the law that was handed down as, as a covenant to the children of Israel. Actually, it's never been a part of what, we, of what we're about. We don't even have a covenant with a God. Jesus has a covenant with God. He fulfilled all the requirements of that covenant. We are just in him as joint heirs sharing what he has. Now, I'm going to give you something that is an incredible paradox, and and, and this is going to help us immediately begin to understand why it's important that we recognize this subtle difference between the law uh, that kills, uh, the way of using the law that kills and brings destructions, and the way of using the law that can lead to life. Now, remember, the law can never give you life. I do not want you to be a legalist. I'm not trying to bring you under the law, but I'm telling you, there's just dimensions of the law that if we miss, we just miss out on so many things that God has given us through Jesus. In my book, The Apocalypse, you know, I, I talk I talk about the history of the world. I talk about how we got to this place where we are in the world and how we're going to get out of this place that we are with the world the way it is right now. But one of the things I pointed out in that book is that there were some things that Jesus said repeatedly. He, There was some commandments that he repeated more than he said anything else. And the one commandment that he repeated more than any other was, hear what the Spirit is saying. And if we can't hear what the Spirit is saying, if we can't yield to the Holy Spirit and align ourselves with the Holy Spirit and how he's leading and how he's direct, and then the real truth is uh, God can't lead us in, in the path of of life. He can't lead us down that path where we escape injury, where we escape harm, because, because if we don't know how to recognize his voice, then we're just guessing at it. And sadly, when I hear, again, over my pretty long time as a believer, when I hear people talking about uh, walking in the Spirit or yielding to the Holy Spirit, it is so subjective uh, that it borderlines on being nonsensical, and and ultimately it just comes down to, well, if, if I have a certain emotional feeling, then maybe I know that's the Holy Spirit. No, there's a way to know you when you're dealing with the Holy Spirit when you're not. But let me read a scripture to you here, and this is going to throw us right into a paradox, and you may have trouble with this paradox, but just hang in here with me till the end, and let's talk it through. You know, Revelation 14, 12, of course, the book of Revelation, it's not a revelation, by the way, of the Antichrist. It's not even a revelation of the of the end of the world. It is a revelation of how Jesus is going to fulfill his promise to the church and his promise to the nation of Israel to deliver us both, even though the world has become more wicked than it has ever been since the beginning of creation. This The revelation is a revelation of Jesus saving his people. It's not a revelation of the Antichrist. We, We focus on on all the wrong things, and we end up not getting the encouragement that we need out of the book of Revelation. But the book of Revelation talks about people who are overcomers. Well, what is an overcomer? An overcomer is someone who overcomes. Overcomes what? Overcomes the obstacles. Overcomes the oppression. Overcomes all of the battles that are thrown in, overcomes whatever is happening in their life. And that's who I want to be. I want to be an overcomer. I can't stop bad things from happening. They're going to happen. And as long as you live in this world, there's going to be tribulation. And as long as you choose to live righteously, there's going to be tribulation because of it. But we can't overcome that without having to fight with people, without having... You know, the thing I like about winning in Jesus is when we win in Jesus, nobody else has to lose. Whether they lose or not, that's, that's up to them. It has nothing to do with us. But But in these days that I think we're coming into very quickly... It is essential that we know how to hear the Holy Spirit so that we can be an overcomer no matter what happens. Revelation 14, 12 says this. And again, man, this is such a paradox. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who uh, who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Whoa, wait a minute. What? yes. This is this is showing us. If you, you know, if we believe, and I, you know, if you're listening to me, you probably do believe this. I believe that every word of the Scripture, I believe every word of the Old Testament, and the New Testament, is inspired by God. And I could spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours talking to you about ways that are very subtle that you can see this continuously, and you can see this harmony between the Old and the New Testament continually, and you realize that this this is so so phenomenal that could not have been written by a human being without the inspiration of God. So if you believe the scriptures are the inspiration of God, and, and you struggle with saying, okay, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't know what to do about the law. I don't know what to do about grace. I don't know what to do about this and what to do about that. Here's here's one place where you come to say, well, wait a minute, there's a paradox here. There are There are seeming contradictions and if I find a contradiction in the word of God, it's got to be the way that I'm interpreting it. It's got to be how I'm seeing it. It's not the way that, that God's saying it. I'm missing something here. So he's talking about the patience of the saints. And this is talking about, by the way, you know, the word patience means the ability to stand under pressure without wavering. And so those who stand under the pressure and don't waver and don't collapse, they have two key factors that help them. Number one is they, they keep. The commandments of God. Number two, uh, they have faith in the Lord Jesus. Well, wait a minute. Isn't that a contradiction? No, it's not. It absolutely is not. Now, if they're keeping the commandments of God legalistically, if they're keeping the commandments of God for their righteousness, if they're keeping the commandments of God to, to manipulate God into answering their prayers, if they're using the law in any unlawful way, then these are totally incompatible. But we realize, oh, well, well, wait a minute. It's not. By the way, that, that word, I've mentioned before, the word keep, when it talks about keeping the commandments, this, this is not talking about ritualistic obedience to the commandments. This is talking about someone who considers them precious, watches over them, keeps them close, doesn't allow them to escape from their, you know, from their, their sense of self. And so, so we're not talking about anything that has to do with going under law. We're not talking about any of that kind of stuff. But here's, what, here's something we have to understand. The heart is the place where we have understanding. The heart is the place where we reconcile all paradoxes, and the heart is the place where the Holy Spirit teaches us, instructs us, guides our life, empowers us. Everything that God does, ultimately, for it to manifest out in this realm, this physical realm, this external realm, uh, it has to be established in the heart. In our spirit, man, we're born the spirit, the spirit of God has made us new, but everything that we that we move into and we experience in a real life way has to be believed in the heart. So everything that the Holy Spirit is ever going to do to you, he's going to do in and through your heart. Until we believe something in our heart, we actually never grasp the subtleties, the paradoxes and and God's wisdom for application. But we can always follow the path for application, which by the way, if you're not trying to follow the path for application, uh, you're committing a sin. There's One of the Greek words for sin means to hear amiss, where you hear something, you recognize that God said something to you, but you don't take it serious. You just, you, you just keep going, you know, your own merry way, so to speak. Uh, but we can always follow the path of application that God's leading us on and experience the grace to do it when we establish the truth in our heart. You know, I asked this question back a few messages back. If the law is so bad, why did God write it on our hearts when we were born again? And besides that, what does it even mean that he wrote the law uh, on our hearts? You see, this brings about a distinction that I think we often fail to make. The law of the heart implies, and I mentioned this before, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 10 through 13, God talks about the fact that he will write his laws on our heart. And I mentioned to you how that one of the greatest uh, scholars of the Greek language that I have studied is, uh, says that this implies that he's not just writing the information of the law, but he is also writing all of the law, all the commandments with all of his intentions. And so, and so we start realizing, well, well wait a minute. If, if, the, if the law is not in my heart, then the truth is I'm never going to realize these subtle distinctions, and I'm probably have, I'm going to struggle to apply it the way God intended for it to be applied. And I'm probably going to struggle with uh not applying it with the motives that God had in applying the law. So, but one of the great promises in that passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter eight is that it says, No more, once this is written on our heart, no more shall any man say to his neighbor, Teach me, teach me to know God. For every man will know be able to know God for himself. Now, man, that is a powerful, powerful thing, because the great corruption from the time that the from time, really from the time man left the garden until Jesus came, the great corruption was anything that a person told us, even though they may be talking about a, an experience they had with God, even though they may be trying to tell us something very, very positive, then the problem is they are, they are coloring that with their, uh, with their opinion. They're, co- they're coloring that, they're shading it a little bit. With their life experience, and so Jesus was the first uh, person to ever come and perfectly manifest God, perfectly represent God, to show us what the Word of God, every word of God, every commandment, every every law, every what does that look like when you put it in practice with God's intentions and with God's motives. So, so nobody can teach us that. And what's interesting, if we want personal leadership from God, in the Hebrew language, there's a, there's open revelation, and open revelation is what God has said in his word, which is available to anyone. And so, to some degree, you can renew your mind just through reading the Bible. But the problem is, that's just information, and that's information that you're going to interpret based on your background, based on your family, based on your denomination, all that kind of stuff. And so, but there is another he, a Hebrew letter. Actually, uh, it's the mem. There's an open mem, and then there's a closed mem. Well, the closed mem gets into private or personal uh, revelation. Now, this is not. This doesn't mean private or personal revelation in the sense that God's going to tell you something that is not in the Scripture. It means that He is going to show you how to take that which you're seeing in the Scripture, how to put it in practice, so that it actually works in your real life. And nobody else can do that. Nobody can nobody can factor in all all of the ups and the downs, all the obstacles that you're going to run into, who's lying, who's telling the truth, who's cheating, who's not cheating. Nobody can do that and you can't do that. You don't even need to know all that. All you need to know is how to follow the Holy Spirit, how to recognize his voice if you can hear what he's saying. Then you can Decide if you trust Him, and you can follow Him out. So we don't need anybody else trying to tell us that. I thank God for every great teacher of the Word of God, and I've been fortunate to know many great, great, great teachers who have helped me a lot, but they still could not tell me how to take this and what it should look like in my life. But you know what? The Holy Spirit can. You know, a, a buddy of mine used to, used to refer to the Holy Spirit as the great teacher, and I just kind of picked up on that because he is the great teacher. He is the one that Jesus said, I'm going to send uh, a helper to you, and he's, he's going to teach you. And it is the Holy Spirit. And one of the, there's so many reasons he's the great teacher. Number one, just like Jesus, he doesn't come to testify of himself. He comes to testify uh, of, of the Lord Jesus and of God the Father. And because he is part of the Godhead, He actually knows exactly what the intentions and the motives that God had in mind when He spoke every single thing, and it doesn't stop there. And because He brings all of that into our heart, He can give us grace in our heart. And grace in our heart is the power, the capacity, the ability, the strength to actually be able to live this stuff, to be able to put it into practice, to be able to make it work uh, uh, in our lives. Actually, the, the the great teacher, the Holy Spirit as far as the one who leads us, he really becomes our internal guidance system to keep us on the path of life. Remember the law, and we talked about this before, uh, in the Hebrew language, the law can mean a signpost. In other words, in all a signpost doesn't make you right. It doesn't make you do anything. It doesn't make you a better person. doesn't make you smarter. doesn't make you more righteous. All a signpost does is it tells you what path you're walking. That's it. And so we can look at the law and we can understand, I am walking a path of foolishness here. I'm walking a path of self-centeredness. self Or we say I'm walking a path that that other people who have walked with God have walked. I mean, we can discover all these things, but it doesn't give us the power to do anything. It doesn't change us. But the Holy Spirit in us, when we acknowledge the, the instruction, the correction, the reproof, whatever it is that God's trying to say to us, whenever we acknowledge that, then we Uh, can, if we trust it, then we can experience the grace of God to put it in practice. Not just, by the way, not just the grace of God to put it in practice, but you know, the word gifts of the Holy Spirit, the root word of gift is charis. Well, that's where we get the word charis, we get the word charismatic. And so the word charis is also the root word of the word grace. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit is really just another manifestation of the grace of God. So the Holy Spirit working in our heart, he can give us the power to live how God says we can live. He can give us the power and the insight to see and walk the path that God has called us to walk, but he can also manifest the gifts of of the Holy Spirit so that God gets glorified in this, uh, not only in our lives, but in the lives of all of those who are watching. So if the Holy Spirit is the great teacher, one of the questions that you have to ask is, so what's his content? See, we kind of have this idea that he just kind of he just kind of randomly teaches us of uh, vague things that are wise, that are good, but actually the Holy Spirit gets his content from the scripture. The Holy Spirit actually never, ever, ever, ever speaks to us about anything that's not already in the scripture. In John 14, 26, Jesus said the helper, and that's, some people use that as the, can be translated as comforter. There are several words that that could translate into. But you notice that the Holy Spirit is not the doer. The Holy Spirit is the helper. We are the doers. And that's another thing. You know, we have we've been kind of influenced to think that, okay, if God wants something to happen here, he better do it. No, you know, the truth is we've got authority here on planet Earth, and we are supposed to do what we do, representing what he has already established in heaven. So the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, in Jesus' name, this is telling us that he's not coming to glorify our ministry. He is not coming to build our individual congregation. Uh, he is coming to glorify Jesus. You know, I always tell the people in, in my in my coaching group, is like, look, when I share testimony, I don't want to be the hero of my story. I don't want to be the hero of my healing. I don't want to be the hero of of how of how I got delivered from a situation or how I overcame a situation. I want Jesus to be the hero. Because if I'm the hero, that doesn't help anybody. But if Jesus is the he- hero, if Jesus is glorified, then people can see what he is doing in us, with us, through us. And they start saying, okay, then he He can do that in me. So he goes on to say, he says, uh, uh, and he will teach you all things. Now, th- this whole concept of teaching, remember, this means that since we have the Holy Spirit teaching us how to know the the Lord God, which that word no gets into how to experience him, nobody else can tell us how to experience him. People can give us their testimonies. They can share insights that they have. But at the end of the day, until we take that home, we spend time with God and in the word of God and connect with God in our hearts. Until then, it is, just, uh, it is just meaningless information. But it's interesting that he says that he will teach us all things. Now about all things, and the Greek that word That word, all things, or those words, all things, means not just in words, not just in didactic information, but all forms of communication and expression. So this gets back into motive and intention. The Holy Spirit is the one that can teach us the motives and the intentions of God. And he says, and he can bring all of these things. In other words, all the truth of God's word along with the motives and intentions, he can bring all of that to your remembrance. But keep in mind, you can't remember something that you have never exposed yourself to. If you don't expose yourself to the teachings of Jesus, the Holy Spirit really doesn't have much to work with. You say, yeah, but he's written the law on our hearts. Yes, but if we are just getting this vague sense of what we're supposed to do, and we don't know that it's in the Bible, we don't know that's the Word of God, then we're probably not going to have the confidence that we we need to have. But keep in mind, the Holy Spirit is never going to teach you in a way that uh, is, is legalistic, the Holy Spirit is never going to teach you in a way that would make you feel obligated or bound to the old covenant. The Holy Spirit is always going to teach you in a way that that you're able to grasp uh, how this is fulfilled in Jesus, how we are qualified in Jesus. Now, let me say this again, and I've touched on this before. You might want you might want to check out my book, "Moving Your Invisible Boundaries." It is the cornerstone book that we use in teaching people how to be heart physics coaches and how to teach people how to begin to relate to God and their heart. And in in this book, you know, we we teach a lot about the the process of transformation for new covenant believers. Now we take all of these uh, ways of ministering to people uh, laying on of hands, nothing wrong with that, you know, intercessory prayer, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with any of them. But the problem is these are not pathways to transformation. Transformation is not where you become something that you're not. Transformation is where you actually uh, morph into who and what you really are. And so, no, again, nobody outside of us can teach us that this is something that only the Holy Spirit can say, I want to show you how to intimately know Christ. Now, one of the things that Paul said in the book of Romans, he says that uh, he says that uh, we are actually to enter into and become one with every aspect of Jesus on the cross, in the grave, in the resurrection, and seated at the right hand of God in other words every every transformation every aspect of transformation that we're going to go through is only going to happen when we can take the word of god that describes who jesus is what jesus has done what jesus has given us and we can enter into that with him and share in that experience we can share in jesus being on the cross we can share in, and, and surrender to him all, all of our sin that put him on the cross, we can let go of it, we can leave it there with him, and we can experience the freedom from that. We can experience being in the grave with him where he conquered all powers and uh, principalities and powers, everything that came against him. He conquered that, and we can experience being in him when, when he conquered that and experienced the resurrection. And we can experience being seated with him in heavenly places and connecting with God in this incredibly deep, deep, intimate way that only Jesus himself has has ever been able to do. And we can share in all that, and it is really that which brings us into true transformation. And so as I've shared with you so, so many times, there are three aspects of transformation. Put off the old man, renew the mind, and put on the new man. So putting off the old man, this this is where I go to the fact that I died with Jesus on the cross. And on that cross, everything that I was, everything that I am, everything that I will be, everything that I think that's outside of who I am in him dies with him on that cross. And I can experience that. I can take hold of that. I can exercise faith for that. And I can experience something with God in that that that's beyond just intellectualism. It's just just beyond getting it far beyond doctrine. And so once I put off that old man, everything, not just what I did before I got saved, but everything outside of who I am in Jesus, then I am free to renew my mind. And renewing my mind is just, it means just exactly what I said. I got to make my mind new. Well, I got to make it new in what way? I've got to make my mind new with everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that Jesus has done for me, all the promises of God. I've got to make myself aware of all of these kinds of things. And then once I know what the truth is, then I can put on the new man who very specifically is created in, in the likeness and image of God. This is, where, this is where we turn return to why and how God created us. He created us in his likeness and image, and we can put that on. See, sometimes we, we, sometimes we want to put on the victory, but we don't want to live the lie. Sometimes we want to put on the benefits, but we don't want to live the life. Well, putting on the new man is putting on who I am in Jesus, creating true righteousness and holiness after the image of my creator. This is where we return to what was lost in the garden. What was lost in the garden was not our authority. What was, what was lost in the garden uh, really was our identity. And uh, uh, we, we gave that up. Listen, Got one more one, one more session that we're going to have in this. I added a few extra sessions to this because I didn't want to put them in the audio series where you have to pay for them. So these are bonus sections I'm giving you right now. And I got one more great bonus session, session for you next week that I think is going to make an incredible difference for you. Listen, if you, if you are saying, you know what, I realize that I have no clue about keeping the commandments. And keeping my faith in Jesus. I didn't know how that could happen. I want to know more about this. I would encourage you, we have a we have a school of ministry that's all online that you can be a part of. We have all kinds of programs, books, and all and a couple of thousand free videos online that will help you and help you make this journey. So now access all this stuff. But if you want to take an extra step where you begin to do something that's just beyond the normal and the natural, help us take this gospel of peace, this covenant of peace, this message of grace, peace, faith, righteousness, and the love of God. Help us take this to the entire world. Go to my website, impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Go to the section where we talk about becoming a world changer and jump in here with us. We are are in the process of raising up one billion disciples around the world and we're multiplying this all over the world by training leaders and, and, and going into prisons, going into every place that you can imagine to take this war. So consider becoming a world changer with us. And listen, be sure and share this with everybody that you think it will bless and help. And be sure and be back with me next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.